You are listening to an audio recording from Family Life Church. It is our wish that you will receive hope from God's Word. Now on to today's message. Money, money. Have you already thought about money today on your way here? Anybody? Am I the only one? Money. We're talking about money this month, actually for the next three more, three more weeks at Family Life Church. And we've declared 2019 to be the most fruitful year ever for FLC and the most fruitful year ever for everyone attached to Family Life Church. You know, being fruitful means that you actually get answers to the things in life that you're struggling with. Being fruitful means that things are actually working, that they're not messed up, that you're not going through a drought in a dry place but that things are fruitful, they're working, they're increasing. Now, part of what God's promised to us as believers is that everything our hands touch prospers. That's fruitfulness. So when things are messed up, when we feel like things are upside down, when things are dry, when they're not working in our marriage, in our family, in our career, in business, in our money, there's no fruit. God doesn't want you to have rotten junk to deal with in life. He wants you to be fruitful, 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 fruitful. And it, you know, it's impossible to be fruitful in life without money. Go ahead and say amen because you're all thinking it. It's impossible to get the things you desire, to have the things you need, to get to the next level, to take care of what your kids need without money. And we learned last week that God has so much to say about money. He has so much to say about money. You know, and the way that God helps us in this life with all the things in our life, including money, is by helping us see what he thinks. He has written in the word what he thinks about money. And uh, actually, when God has to transform us, he does it from the inside out. Whatever the issue is in your life, if it's getting to know who God is, he gives you insight and you are transformed from the inside out. If your marriage needs healed, he does a work in you and transforms you from the inside out. When anything that you are in need of in your life that you're looking for, for those things to happen, God does it from the inside out. So Romans 12, we started there last week and abbreviated a little bit today. Romans 12 shows us how God works. God says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. The NIV version says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think from the inside out. See how that is from the inside out? Insert the subject matter of what we're talking about today, which is money. And the Bible says, don't copy the money behavior of this world, but let God transform you into a new person financially by changing the way you think about money. Today, if you're taking notes, we're continuing My Money, God's Math. That's the series. But today we're talking about faith versus fear. Faith versus fear about money. You know, in our culture, most people are so stressed out about money. It's what most of us think about. It's what we chase after. It's what we spend most of our lives doing is working for money. But in our culture, most people are stressed out about money. They're in fear about money. They're in debt, owing money. And God says, there's a better way. Don't be like the culture of this world. We don't want that picture. We want God's picture. God's picture. You know, God has such a strong money picture for us. 
We saw in the Bible that there are about 500 scriptures about prayer. And prayer is good. We need to know how to talk to God. There are 500 scriptures about faith. Faith is good. It connects us to every promise God has for us. And there are 2,350 at our best count scriptures about money in the Bible. Does God have something to say about money? Yes, about who he is, about how to handle money, about what kind of actions lead you to wealth, about what kind of actions lead you to poverty. All of those things we can see in the word of God about money. We were reminded last week that every time we see a promise of God, that he'll meet our needs, that he'll open the windows of heaven, whatever the promise is about God, we've seen that there's always a man's side to the promise. There's a human side. There's a part that we play. And when we do the man's side, it opens up the God side, what he can do. Our man's side, our natural actions open up the miracle side to God for God to work in our life. The man side and the God side. If you weren't here last week or you missed last week um, because you were serving, I encourage you, please listen to last week's podcast because we open up the man side and the God side. We break it down so we see clearly what our part is about money and what that opens up to us on the God side of the equation. God wants his math to intersect your money. He has a multiplication system to to increase us, to get us out of debt, to get us past all of those things. And God desires for us to come out of the culture of this world, out of the fear, out of the selfishness, out of the stress. And he has a better way. Amen. And we look at the word of God to show us what to do. You know, I really believe honestly believe that every single person sitting in here and every person listening through audio wants to increase in their money. I don't believe for one minute any of us are in here thinking, wow, I hope my money goes down the tubes. None of us are in here thinking, wow, I hope this month we don't have enough. None of us are thinking that, are we? We all want to increase in our money, and God wants you to increase in your money. He's made provision for that. We all want to increase in our money, and I really believe, honestly, if you're a Christian, you want to do it God's way. You want the windows of heaven open in your life. Nobody would say, nah, I don't need that. We all want God's blessing on our money. I don't think any of us would honestly say, I don't want God's blessings. We all would love to to connect the dots to know how to get God's multiplication system on our dollars. I don't think one of us would say, God, you offer to multiply what I have so that I have a lot more. No thanks. None of us would say that. I believe we all want to increase and we want to do it God's way. We want God's math on our money. And I believe that there is one thing that most of us deal with, all of us deal with on some level, that keeps us from the God math, and it's fear. 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 Every time that we decide to move forward in God, pick your topic. Anytime we want to, to, when we see God's promise and we're like, I want that promise to come into my life, it requires faith on our part. So what happens is we see the word of God and we hear the good news about healing, about salvation, about forgiveness, about freedom, about increase. We hear the good news and we're like, I want that in my life. So faith begins to rise up in our hearts for that promise. And fear comes right there alongside of it. 
because fear tries to dissuade us, tries to, to convince us that what we're seeing in God's word isn't true. Faith versus fear. You know, to even believe that God exists takes faith. We hear in Genesis 1 and John chapter 1 that in the beginning there was God. And out of nothing, he created everything. And you know what? Fear comes alongside and says, well, but where did God come from? And how did he make everything out of nothing? You're not going to really believe that, are you? And fear comes alongside to try and convince us that because we can't understand everything in our head, that we're just not going to believe it. But faith, on the other hand, when we hear Genesis chapter 1 and John chapter 1 and hear about how good God is, we go, wow, God, yes, I need you in my life. I want you in my life. And even though I can't wrap my head around where you even came from, and even though I might have a 100 questions, God, about who you are and how you work, I'm going to choose to believe. That is the spirit of faith. And faith comes only by hearing the word of God. So when it comes to money, Faith only comes when we see what God's word says about money. Faith comes and fear comes alongside with it, especially where it concerns money. We saw last week when we opened up the man side and the God side that the basic step to enter God's system of finance is that we honor him with our first and best. We bring Malachi 3 verses 9 and 10, I think this is on the screen, that we bring all the tithes to the storehouse, the whole 10%, that we bring it to God and say, God, I'm proving you. I'm proving that you're trustworthy. I'm proving that you're my God. I'm proving that you are going to help me connect the dots to this financial thing. And we know that the God side opens up to us. And the God side is that the windows of heaven are open and that he rebukes the enemy for our sake. And he's take, he tells the enemy, no, you can't, you can't have their life. You can't have their kids. You can't have their stuff. You can't destroy their future. That's the God side. But, you know, fear comes right along with it. And fear tries to advise us. And, you know, fear is a lot like this little clip. This is a movie you're probably really familiar with. It's not the right season because it's a Christmas movie. But I want you to watch this clip and just, and just see how ridiculous fear actually is. You see, even now, the terror is welling up inside you. I'm not scared. Denial is to be expected in the face of pure evil. I don't think so. Doubt! Another unmistakable sign of the heebie-jeebies. Now you're doomed. Now you're doomed. So we say, God, even though I can't figure it out in my head, I'm going to take this faith step and honor you with my top 10%. I'm going to prove you, God. <laughs> and that's how fear is. <laughs> Can we give my Can we give my assistant a hand? Fear is constant, fear is loud, fear tries to drive out faith. It tries to drive out the truth. And so when we're here saying, "God, I'm going to take this faith step." And it is a faith step. Every time that we move forward in God, it requires us walking out into a place that we can't see with our eyes and that there's no natural security. Every time that we move forward in God, 
especially in our money, we take this faith step. God, I'm going to honor you with this 10%. But fear comes. It's so loud. It's so constant. It tries to distract. And fear is like, what? Are you crazy? 90%? How do you expect to live on 90% when you can barely live on 100%? What about your shoes? What about your food? What about Disney World? Right? That's what fear does. It comes alongside to try and persuade us. But this is the thing. You and I both have the choice to decide whether it's fear or faith that defines our reality and sets us up for our future. When we step out in faith, what we are doing is we're saying, God, I'm aligning myself to your system, and you are working with me to set up my future. When we listen to fear, we're letting fear dictate how our future is going to be. And I'm telling you that if we listen to fear, fear will disqualify us from God's system and God's best. Now, it won't disqualify you from heaven if you have Jesus as your Savior, but it will disqualify you from understanding and living God's great, big life that he has mapped out for you, a life of goodness and fulfillment and purpose. If we listen to fear regarding our money, it'll lead us to a small life. I believe that fear is the key reason that people dismiss being generous when they want to be generous. You know, you've had it work on you before. Like, man, I want to give to that. I want to give to that person. And then it's like, well, what if? Well, what if? Well, what about that? I believe that fear is the primary reason that even though we can see the word of God clear as day, that we honor God with our first and best and the windows of heaven are open toward us. We can see it in black and white. We have hear story after story and we're going to hear a story next week about the power of the tithe. And we, we hear stories and we see in black and white, but fear of what if keeps us from entering God's financial system. Fear. And really, we all have to deal with fear on some level. Faith supersedes common sense. Now, it's, it, common sense says 90% versus 100%. If I give 10% to God, then I'm left with 90%. And I don't think I can do as much on 90% as I can 100%. That's common sense. It's natural wisdom. But faith supersedes that. Faith supersedes that because faith sees that with the God math on my money, my 90% does way more with God's blessing than my 100% will do on my own. Faith supersedes common sense, but fear drags us down. Fear is actually almost funny because it causes us to be irrational. Now, I think most of us in here are believers, and most of us, when you know, most believers they are quick to dedicate their children to God for their whole lives. And that's a good thing. I'm not making fun of it. But as Christians, we trust God with our children. We trust God to protect them. We trust God to lead their path. We trust God to watch over them, to command angels to have charge over them, because that's the word. And we as Christians believe that, and we dedicate our kids to God. As Christians, when we come into a crisis, we run to God, and we fully believe, even though we don't know how, we fully believe that God is going to come to our rescue and help us out of a mess, and by his grace, he does. As Christians, we also believe that when we bow our knee to Jesus and say, Jesus, I receive you as the Lord of my life, 
that in that moment, when we have a real turn of heart and we repent and turn the other way, that we literally are transformed from our eternity in hell, in fire, and in, in pure grossness to heaven. We believe that as Christians, and it's all true. And we all say yes to all of those things. And then when it comes to money, hmm, I just don't think God's able to do it. I don't think I can trust him with my money. And you can smile because we all have dealt with fear. This is not about condemnation. This is about calling out fear. Fear causes us to be irrational. Don't you think it's irrational? We trust God with everything, the heavy things, the big things in our life. Yet, mm, not really sure I can trust him with my dollars. Fear causes us to be irrational. So there are things about money that we have to settle where it comes to faith and fear. Either God is honest or God lies. <gasps> well, I don't think God lies. I don't either. But fear will cause us to think that God isn't a truthful God. Fear will come and try and persuade us that God really doesn't mean what he says. Well, either he's honest or he lies. And we each have to settle that for ourselves. Do I believe God is honest or do I think he's a liar? <gasps> I can't believe you said that. Well, that's what fear does. I'm exposing fear this morning. The other thing we have to settle is that either God is faithful or God's a failure. <gasps> well, I don't believe God's a failure. I don't either. But fear will come. Sneaky, rotten fear will come alongside and try and persuade you that God is going to fail you. But you know what? For those who take the faith step, for those who say, man, even in the midst of a hundred questions, God, I trust you, then God is working on our behalf. But when we come back here and struggle with fear and we're like not sure and we kind of take a step toward the man's side and then we back up and go, well, I'll do it some other time. And it just, we disqualify ourselves from God's system. And we can spend our whole life with this dance with fear. You know, I believe, honestly, most of us want to honor God. If you're a Christian, you want to honor God. You want your life to please God. You want to, to help God accomplish his agenda in this region. The agenda of seeing people free, people saved, families helped. You and I both want to do that. And it is fear that keeps us from stepping out in faith to honor God. It's fear. It's the what if of what if I don't have enough? What if I can't, can't do it? What if I can't see it? What if God doesn't do that for me? It's the fear of what if that keeps us. So today I want us all just to kind of identify what is the threshold of fear regarding our money that we're dealing with because we all have one. Now maybe you are a part of the church family and you've been honoring God with your top 10%, but when it comes to giving generously, uh, it's hard because why? Fear. But you know what? The perfect love of God completely destroys fear. When we, get a, when we get an understanding of who God is, it destroys that fear in our life. Maybe you're someone in here today that has never taken the step to honor God with your first and best. You want to. You love God, but fear. Well, I encourage you. Just like Pastor Tom and I, we're trying to identify what are the thresholds that, that are keeping us from that next level in God? What is fear trying to trick us out of having? What is fear trying to trick us from getting to? 
right? Because there's no ceiling with God. There's always plenty. And today I'm going to give you just two simple points and a few practical steps that will help you destroy and demolish fear when it comes to money in your life. And if you're taking notes, the first step is this. The first step is that God is a good father, We have to renew our minds. We have to dive into the word of God to discover that God is a good father. If you had a good earthly father, and if you are a parent and love your children, you understand the heart of a father, but sometimes it's a disconnect of what we we experience and what we believe about God. Any good father does not want to see their kids struggle. Any good parent does not want to see their kids being without. Any good parent doesn't want to see their kids in a messed up, miserable place. That's completely opposite of what a good parent wants. A good parent wants their kids to be taken care of, their kids to be happy, their kids to be fulfilled, their kids to be content, their kids to have much, their kids to be well. That's the heart of the father. It says in the word in 3 John chapter 1 verse 2, beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. You know, God's desire is that you prosper in every single area of your life, including your money. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Now, if you've, if you've grown up in uh, other denominations, a lot of denominations don't preach that God wants you to do well financially. And um, they're walking in the light that they have. But sometimes it takes us having to really see the word for ourselves and renewing our mind. This scripture literally says, just like Jesus took sin on the cross, just like he took stripes on his back so that we could have healing, Jesus literally, although he had everything, became poor for your sake and my sake. And he took to the cross the curse of not having enough, the curse of lack, the curse of poverty. He took those things on the cross. He took those on the cross so that we could exchange our debt, our lack, our poverty for being rich. Just like he took your sin and your punishment and your mistakes and your craziness to the cross so that you could have a life of forgiveness and a great life, he took for you poverty and lack so that we could have wealth and riches. You know, the next scripture I want to share, the first verse of it is pretty familiar to most of us, but I want you to really catch the second part. The first part of it is this in Romans 8, 31, 32. If God is for us, who can be against us? And we all say, amen. Now catch the second part. It says, certainly not God. He's not the one against us. Who did not even keep back his own son, but delivered, I'm sorry, but offered him for us all. He gave us his son. Will he not also freely give us all things? God already gave Jesus. It's not a big deal for him to get more money to you. It is not a big deal for him to give you a better house for your family to enjoy. It is nothing to God to give you the car that you need to, that's dependable, that's nice for your family. It is not a thing for God to connect you to a divine connection to grow your business. It is not a thing for God for you to do well and to, to help promote you in your career. It's not a thing for God to show us how to increase more and more. That, that, he loves that. 
He already gave us Jesus. Jesus was the most precious thing he had, and he freely gave Jesus for us. How will he not also freely give us any material thing that we need? But fear is irrational. Fear is like, well, God gave Jesus, but he wants you to suffer in life. No, he doesn't. God gave Jesus, John 10 and 10 said, so that we could have a rich and satisfying life. One translation says a life that's beyond our wildest imagination. That's the kind of life that Jesus gave his life for, for us. Matthew 6, 31, 33 shows the heart of a good father. It says this, don't worry and ask yourselves, will we have anything to eat? Will we have anything to drink? Will we have any clothes to wear? Only people who don't know God are always worrying about such things. Your Father in heaven knows that you need all of these. But more than anything else, put God's work first. That's the man side. And do what God wants, and then all the other things will be yours as well. What God did through Jesus is he opened up the God side for us. He gave Jesus. Jesus took the curse for us. He opened up the God side. And the heart of a good father is that God wants his math on your money. God wants his math on our money. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to exit this world system of stress and fear and pressure and not enough. And he wants you to step over into the God system where there is more than more than enough. That's what he wants for you. And you know, when we enter the system by doing the man side, it gives us an open access to the God side. If you have Christ Jesus in your life and you are living for God, everything about God's kingdom is opened up to you, including the financial system that God has. The second point today is that when we step past fear, we can activate the God side. We can activate the God's math to go come on to our money when we step past fear. I'm going to tell you about a story in the Old Testament and this is a story of someone that pa- walked past fear. And in the Old Testament, in 1 Kings chapter 17, the prophet Elijah, who was busy about God's agenda on the earth, he had, he had um, approached a king, and because that the, the king was making just horrible decisions and the nation was turned from God, a, um, J- sorry, Elijah said, hey, this is what's going to happen. There's going to be a drought that comes on this land for three and a half years. So Elijah, the, God, the man of God, called a drought. So that's kind of the setup. Well, a drought means that food becomes scarce, that crops don't, you know, that tr- crops kind of die out, and that water sources dry up. That's what happens in a drought, because it was three and a half years. It wasn't like two weeks without rain. Three and a half years without rain. Well, because Elijah was God's man, he was committed to putting God's agenda before his own agenda. God was committed to Elijah. So in the drought, God said, Elijah, I'm going to take care of you. So I want you to come and be by this brook called Cherith. And the Bible says that every day, morning and night, breakfast and dinner, that ravens brought Elijah food. They brought him bread and meat every day, twice a day. Because why? God was committed to Elijah. Why? Because Elijah was doing the man's side. He was committed to God and God's agenda, and God was taking care of Elijah. But then the brook dried up. The water source dried up. So God said, Elijah, the water source is drying up. I want you to go to this town now called Zarephath. And in Zarephath, there's a widow there. And I'm going to see to it that she cares for you. So you're not going to go hungry. 
So Elijah went to Zarephath. He walks into the city. He sees this woman gathering sticks, and it hits his heart. That's the woman. That's who God told me to come find. So she's gathering sticks, and Elijah calls out to her and says, hey, ma'am, can you go get me a drink of water? So she's like, okay. So she goes to get him a drink of water, and he says, hey, by the way, can you bring me some bread also? And that's where I want to start reading the scripture of this story. Let's look at 1 Kings 17, verse 12. So he asks her, bring me some, a drink and bring me some bread. And she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't even have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. And then my son and I... We're going to die. So you can imagine the fear this woman has. First of all, she doesn't have a husband. She has no help, and she has a son to take care of. There's a drought been going on, so the crops are dried up. And the only thing she has left is a handful of, oil, or a handful of flour in a jar. Her situation looks hopeless. She has nothing, according to most people's standards. And God's, God asks Elijah to ask her to make a piece of bread for him. Now, I want to show you in verses 13 and 14 what happened. What happens is an invitation to the God math takes place. She has nothing. But here's an invitation to the God math. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is the God side. This is the God math. The God of Israel says there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So we see in verses 15 and 16, the man side in blue and the God side in red. She did as Elijah said. And what happened? She and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Now, I want to show you just a quick thing about this story. Elijah was God's man. God was committed to take care of him. And when he was over here by this brook and ravens were bringing him food twice a day, the brook dries up. But if you know other stories about God in the Old Testament, you'll know that God was able to bring water out of a rock before. So he didn't need the widow's last little bit of flour to make a pancake for Elijah because he was without something. I'm going to say that again. God didn't need the widow to help feed Elijah. God has so many channels. He was feeding him with birds. He he could have made it rain in Elijah's little spot. He could have done all kinds of things. God has so many channels. But I want to submit something to you today. That while he's committed to take care of his plan on the earth and committed to take care of Elijah because Elijah was putting the kingdom first, God also saw that there was a widow that needed some God math. She was in serious need of some God math. Now, this is the awesome thing. In the moment when the widow told Elijah, I only have a little handful of flour left and a little bit of oil in the jar, and after that, I'm going to eat and we're going to die. You can, none of us have probably been in that spot. Imagine the fear when somebody else comes to say, well, if you make me a piece first, 
then this is what will happen. Now, in the natural, she could not figure out how with this little bit of flour that she's going to make more than two pancakes, and now she has to make three. She isn't going to figure out how God can keep filling her jar. She can't see it. She can't reason it. But you know what she does? She has to step past fear and say, God, even though I have 100 questions, I'm going to choose to trust you. And what happened when she did the man's side? When she did the man's side, God opened up the God's side. And not only did she have one more meal, but the Bible says she had meals for many, many days. And that she never had lack ever. She didn't have lack. She was full, fully filled until the drought was over. And I know after the drought, God didn't leave her hanging either. So let me ask you today, what is fear trying to advise you about in regards to money? We all have a fear threshold. What is fear trying to taunt us to believe? What is fear trying to cause us to be irrational about? We all love God. We want to honor him. We want to put him first. But statistics say that 95 out of 100 Christians don't take the first step to honor God with their top and their best, their first 10%. It's not because we're greedy. It's not because we don't love God. I think it's because of fear. But we have the choice to either let fear dictate our future and dictate our reality, or we have the choice to let faith dictate our reality and plan our future. So I'm going to leave you with four very practical steps that you can do to kind of walk past fear in your money. The first step is this. Let faith speak louder than fear. You've got to be determined. Fear, you are not going to trick me. You are not going to keep me from the next level in God. You are not going to do it. And so we have to let faith speak louder than fear. The only way that faith comes is by the word of God. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing the word of God. You don't get faith by wishing it. You don't get faith by crying about it. You get faith by opening up the Bible and seeing what God says about the subject matter of money. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Faith for money comes by hearing what God's word says about money. Faith comes, so we let our faith speak louder than fear. The second thing is that we make a faith determination. We let faith rise up in our hearts, and we're determined, God, I'm taking the next step in you, whatever that step is, and we all can move a next step in God. God, I'm taking the next money step in you, whether it's that first step of honoring you with my top 10%, whether it's the step of living a generous life, whether it's the step of trusting you with the big things, whether it's a step of actually sowing more and more seed. It's not easy to do. It's not easy to walk past those fear thresholds, but we want to make a determination. We want to make a determination. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to give to heart for the house. I'm going to increase my generosity toward people. It could be I'm going to be more generous to my mom and dad. That's biblical. I'm going to be more generous when it comes to birthdays and Christmas, whatever it is, because fear tries to talk us out of so much, right? And so we make a faith determination. And in the faith determination, a really key thing is that we have to develop a plan. And this is why. When we are determined, I'm going to just use tithing. When we make the determination, God, I have 100 questions. I feel afraid, but I'm going to determine to tithe. I'm going to determine to bring my first 10% to you. We make that determination, but then we have to make a plan. Because if we don't make a plan, then when we get our paycheck, that's when fear comes alongside and starts playing with our emotions. If we don't have a plan, we're subject to our emotions. But if we have a plan, we just do the plan, scared or not right? We do the plan. And so we make out the plan. 
Whatever that looks like for you, if you do it electronically, if you write the check in advance and you put it in your wallet, whatever you do, you make the plan in advance so that fear cannot toy with your emotions. The third step is that we take a faith step to actually do the plan. We do the man side. So we're hearing the word of God, we're making a determination, and then we actually do what we say that we're determined to do. And we plan that in advance. So we actually do what we've determined. And then number four, actually number four starts working on your behalf. You're activating the God side. Because when we make the faith determination, and we make our plan, and we do the man side, then we activate the whole God side to start working on our behalf. Isn't that so awesome? Faith, 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 faith connects you to that next place in God, and fear will try and rob you of it. Fear robs us of the next place in God, while faith propels us to it. You know, I felt led this week as I was praying to actually pray over you to, uh, actually bind the work of fear in your home and in your family. And so if you'll allow me for just the next couple of minutes, because we all deal with fear on some level, fear that we're never going to get out of debt, fear that if we give, we're not going to have enough, fear that we can't really trust God, fear of all the what ifs, we all deal with fear. And I'd love to pray for you and bind that spirit of fear so that you can move forward in faith. And so I'm I'm going to pray over you, but I want to encourage you also, then that's just the starting point. Then we have to do those four practical principles because fear is going to come back. Fear always comes back. It always tries to taunt us. But now that we've exposed fear in regards to our money, we can outsmart fear and we can go with faith. So let me pray for you. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over everyone in this place. I pray over everyone listening through audio. Father, I thank you that you're a good God. You are a good Father. God, you see things in advance that we don't see. You love us, God, in a way that we can't even comprehend. And God, you are so concerned about the smallest things of our life, and you are so passionate about taking care of us. So God, I thank you that you have a plan for our money. And I just thank you that everyone gets just a deeper revelation of the love of the Father, because it is your perfect love that drives fear out of our life, fear out of our mind, fear out of our heart, fear out of decisions. It's your perfect love, God, that helps us do that. And so fear by the authority of the name of Jesus, I bind you right now and I resist you. And I tell you to take your grip off of the hearts and off of the thoughts and off of the plans of the people of Family Life Church. Fear, you are a liar and we're exposing you today and we're exposing you against the goodness of God. Faith, you are, you cannot even con. You can't, you can't win over God. And so there is no contest between faith and fear. There's no contest between the good father and fear. And we expose fear today. And by the authority of the name of Jesus, I speak fear free in our money in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Amen. Well, thank you for letting me pray for you. And fear also can keep us bound from experiencing anything about the goodness of God. And so if you're in here today and you've said, you know what, I've been afraid to just open up my life to God, period, because I just, I'm, I'm afraid to trust him. I'm a, maybe there's a reason in your past that you've, your trust has been damaged with people. And so maybe your trust was damaged with your own father. And so it's really hard for you to trust that God is good, but God wants you well. And God has salvation. That is a free gift for you today. 
It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how much you've held back from him. It doesn't matter what mistakes that you've made. Salvation is his free gift. And he doesn't want you to uh, not have the free gift of forgiveness in Jesus Christ because of fear. So if you're in here today and you, and you say, you know what? I need to take the faith step to open my life to God. Not just kind of a little open my life to God, but to really open my life for God and let God come in and heal my heart, forgive my sins, and set me on a clear path to the future. If that's you today, I'm going to ask you super briefly, just simply raise your hand so we know who we're praying with. Thank you so much. Is there anyone else in here? Thank you. Thank you. God loves you. His salvation is a free gift for you. He doesn't want you bound by fear on any level. Awesome. Well, thank you for those hands that were raised. We're all going to stand together. We never want you to walk through this part alone, so we're going to pray with you. We're all going to pray out loud, and if you mean this from your heart, then this will actually work in your life. If you ask Christ to come into your life and forgive you and forgive you of your sins, you ask him to and you believe it in your heart, that's what happens in your life. So go ahead and close your eyes if you would and pray after me. Say, Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your free gift of salvation. I open up my life to you today. And Jesus, I invite you to come into my life. Forgive me of my past mistakes, of sin, of letting fear dictate my reality. I receive your free gift of salvation today. And I choose to follow you, Jesus. Amen. Awesome.